and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sheeran and the host of this podcast. Guys, I'm so glad that you're here today hanging out, and I'm going to try to make this a shorter intro because I've got one of my best friends in the world on the show today, a uh, family friend, someone who's been in the industry a long time. A lot of you know her. Uh, a lot of you have seen her around. A lot of you have taken courses from her, whether it's CIC, CPIA, CISR, whatever it might be. But today I've got uh, my good friend Brandy Anderson on the show today. And a lot of you have been emailing me, why haven't you had Brandy on yet? Well, here we go. So I'm super pumped to have her on. So I want to get out of the way as quickly as possible. But I first got to tell you about my sponsors. And I'm so proud to have Smart Choice as a sponsor of my show. They are the fastest growing agency network for a reason. And I love having them as a sponsor because I, I think they do so much and they add so much value to you as an agency. Um, first of all, um, they share in their bonus and contingency. Second of all, they don't take any ownership of your current book or your agency. Uh, they don't charge any fees. And uh, in fact, um, they help you with uh, the, the premium thresholds, the volume commitments, all of those things, they help lower all those for you. And they'll oftentimes pay you a higher commission. And so uh, it's just a win-win all the way around. Smartchoiceagents.com. Go check them out. Tell them the mayor sent you. Also, my good friends over at Canopy Connect, your one-click solution to getting the deck pages you need to quote your prospects. Uh, what does that mean? That looks like a, a customizable URL for your agency that you can send out to referral partners, to your prospects, and they log in and magically on your dashboard, you get deck pages, you get the claims information, you get uh, all of their payment history, you get everything that you need um, from their prior carrier, their current carrier, whatever you want to talk about. And it can help you to quote their insurance without all those uh, intrusive questions in the back and forth. And it's just a seamless transaction, seamless uh, thing that you can do to help things go that much better and that much smoother and help your customer experience be that much better. Use Canopy.com. Go ahead and put backslash Heath. Check out the demo. You can get a discount for being a listener of the show. It's phenomenal. Use Canopy.com backslash Heath. Guys, I'm going to jump out of the way here and let you uh, sit back, relax, and listen to my conversation with Brandy Anderson. Hey, Brandy Anderson, how are you doing? I am well, Heath. I am excited to be here. Who would have ever thought it would take over 100 episodes for me to show up to be on your podcast? Yes, and... For those that don't know, Brandy is mine and my wife's best friend in the world. Uh, me and her, her husband, we get together with Stacy a lot. The kids, we all know each other. I've watched your kids grow up since. As I've seen yours and consider them all like my honorary yes. nieces and nephews. And uh, It's wild. So when she says that, there's context there. So Lots of context. I, I guess... Connor and Nathan would come to convention in Arkansas back when they were six, eight, nine, somewhere in there. Till they got to be, you know, heavy teenagers and anything their parents were doing were no longer not cool, cool in any way. That's right. So uh, as we talked about earlier before the show started, we have to do the walk down memory lane. I know you, but my audience may not. Uh, sure. So let's take a quick walk down memory lane and tell me about yourself. Tell me where you started. Catch the audience up to where you are. Sure. So I usually make the running joke that I, I think I've done every part of insurance but claims. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I started in insurance initially because I wanted to work eight to five. Okay. You know, I, I went to school for radio. I worked in radio. The hours were awful. The pay was worse. And I thought, I just want a normal job. I just want a regular job. Lots of people have regular jobs. And so I went to work for a direct rider. Didn't know insurance from a hole in the mall. Right. And it was great because I screwed up everything and I had to fix it, mm -hmm. which is how I ended up learning a lot about insurance. And then I went to work for a pretty large uh, independent agency, was there for a really long time. And that's kind of where I got my teaching bug because I went to a class and right. I sat in a class and the guy read from the book and there is nothing uh. more awful you know, it's, it's definitely a Bueller moment. And I thought <laughs> I could do that. Like yeah. I, 
I could get up and do that and maybe better. So kind of got that bug and started on that path. And little did I know at that point in time, that would probably end up being one of my big, big passions <laughs> because I firmly believe in insurance education, always have. And I think we do not a great job in our industry yeah. of, of bringing people where they need to be. So spent a lot of time in that, uh, you know, worked for some NGAs, did some underwriting, kind of went all, again, landed kind of in all areas that claims. And now I work uh, in the commercial inside for Nationwide Insurance. I'm a business development director for a multi-state territory. And, you know, I'm a, technically a territory manager. It sounds impressive. So, you know, I still get a chance to work with agents, still do a lot of teaching and try to share what knowledge I've gained, if I, if any, uh, to the people I come in contact with. So, okay, you teach, I know this, but just let them know, you teach not only for the, the local associations, but also for national organizations. Which, the, what are those that you teach? So, for, I teach National Alliance, I teach the CISR program, I teach CIC, uh, I teach for the AIMS Society, so I teach, you know, CISR, um, I teach CPIA, I, I do ethics courses, I write some courses, uh, I do a lot of account manager teaching kind of training. A lot of it's coverage, a lot of it's sales, a lot of it's ethics, you know, I've taught for Utica and, uh, you know, other carriers. I did a little bit of expert witness, that's scary. Um, <laughs> so just kind of whoever will give me the opportunity to get in front of people and Tell them what I think they need to know. So you've probably gotten a ton of questions over the years from people in your courses and your classes and the things you've taught. What's some of the biggest things that you've seen in teaching that people talk about or people don't understand or not enough clarity in or some of those questions that you get that you feel like would be worth talking about right now? Yeah. So when I started teaching, um, I did a lot of pre-licensing. And if you do pre-licensing for any length of time, and I, every state has their own requirements for that, but you get to where you can read the room pretty quickly <laughs> by right. the beginning of day two, so to speak. And a whole lot of the deer in the headlight look. And I felt like I got really good at going through class and going, okay, that person is not gonna make it. They're, right. just this, they're gonna decide this isn't for them. Um, and that person maybe has a chance. So, you know, questions, man, there is so much. And I tell people that's the nature of insurance education is that there's always something, you know, cyber is hot right now. Yeah. Super hot. Uh, and people don't understand it. You know, so you've got cyber, you've got people who still don't understand co-insurance. Right. You know, and it's, I mean, it, even me, it took me a while in the business before I really wrapped my head around what that meant. Um, so I see that, you know, when you talk about anything and it really comes back to the agent or the account manager having an understanding of it for their own benefit, but also how do you translate that to your client that hates insurance? Yeah. You know, no one wakes up and goes, today's the day I'm going to buy insurance and I'm so happy about it. Um, they just don't do that. So if you can break insurance down for your clients, um, it, it's it's magical. And one of the things about that, you talk about pre-licensing. I tell people all the time, you're going to learn a lot of stuff in pre-licensing you'll never use in real oh, life. Oh, absolutely. And so I feel like right now, it's, I've been licensed 20 years now. I feel like if I took the test again today, I'd probably fail it. <laughs> and that's scary. I feel like a lot of people are like that, though. Um, you know, I don't know that you would fail it. I, and if you would fail it, it would probably be because it's a, you know, they X out X number of answers, whether they're right or wrong, and the way that that test is structured. It wouldn't be that you didn't know insurance. Right. But yeah, do you remember anything about crop hail? If you don't do crop hail, no. No. Exactly. I think there's a lot of people out there that don't understand that because um, there's a lot that goes into it. A lot changes, as you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. As soon as I learn something, I feel like, oh, I've got this down and something new happens. Sure. Or some regulation change or something new. Right. ISO comes out with uh, a new form. 
you know, and I, I tell everybody insurance is, is kind of slow to change. Yeah. And a lot of times we're behind the eight ball. You know, we, we haven't quite, we as an industry haven't quite figured out things like, you know, Uber and drones and food delivery and, you know, like the whole gig economy is still somewhat of a mystery on the insurance side. And so we're a little bit slow to change, but we change. And if you, you know, if you have the perception that, hey, I've been in the business for three or four years, I don't, you know, I've got, or I've been long enough to get all of my CE and I don't need to know anything new. I'm like, well, you kind of do. I mean, things change and what your customers are going to ask for changes. You know, when I started, cyber wasn't a thing. That dates me, but it wasn't a thing. Right. It, no, just, it, it just didn't exist. So, you know, and I see that and I see the trends and you have to be really aware of what's happening with that. Um, and some people are great about paying attention and some people aren't. Right. And I feel like when we first, and I put us in this, came kind of, you're a little further ahead of me than this, but when I got into it in you know, the early 2000s, there were still people with paper files. They were slow to adopt even paperless. And so I feel like we get a bad rap as an industry that we're so slow to adopt technology. Yep. And we're slow to adopt a lot of new things, whereas other industries are way further along. And that it took only like 10 years ago before insured tech became a thing. Sir? I think it's a uh, it's fascinating. And you've seen a lot. You've been licensed longer than I have, and I won't date you on that. But when it comes to that, what... You know, I started what, when I was two. That's my go. story. That's I'm right. sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen in that as, as far as oh like... Oh, my goodness. We went to paperless. So there's still people with file cabins in their offices. Don't get me wrong. Whether you're in Arkansas or in California, you're still going to see that. But what are some of the other things that you might have seen that have changed our industry? You know, just one, going paperless was huge. Um, it's funny. There's a, there's a few classes that are still in existence <clears throat> that we may, you know, as instructors or whatever, get up and talk about sometimes. And I, I actually had this conversation last week with someone about, hey, I don't need to teach anybody how a fax machine works anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah doesn't exist no yeah. one uses it um kind of thing so but in some of the materials you know it still lists a fax machine as if it's a tool for you and i'm like it's not a tool for you anymore you know multiple screens i can remember when that you know when yeah. when just getting two screens was like transformative and now i walk in and you know agents may have four right um or more in some cases but everything you can do that's app-based everything you know yeah, that well. it's We've gotten so accustomed to that Insta, yeah. everything Insta, um, you know, whether it's Instagram or Instapod or Insta whatever, we like our 100%. Insta. Yeah. And, you know, we in the insurance industry have been slow somewhat to, to get on kind of that train. You've got a lot of agency principals that are older. Yeah. Um, you know, statistically, everything you look at will tell you, you know, the average agency principal age is, you know, late 50s. And to me, that's being somewhat conservative. But it, you know, and they're not always the best adopters of the technology that's available. But think about now, you know, you have commercial lines raters, you have personal lines raters. I mean, you can get a quote you know, almost instantly. Now, whether or not that's a verifiable quote is sometimes debatable, but, yeah. you know, it, it goes back to that kind of instant idea. And I would say to some extent, as an industry, we haven't done ourselves any favors. In what way? Well, if you look at, because it's kind of a weird sort of, I won't even call it a hobby, but a weird thing that I do is, you know, when I see insurance commercials, you know, I tend to pick them apart and I kind of rip them up and talk about, you know, that's that's not just true for your carrier. That's true for all carriers kind of thing. True, yeah. Um, but we have, we have pushed that idea so much to the general public of you can have anything you ask for and it's going to be competitive and it's going to be, you know, instant and... You know, a lot of insurance doesn't work that way. And you have to temper those expectations 
when your clients walk in the door. Yeah. You know, because they don't know insurance. All they know is what they've seen for the 72 commercials that have blared it at them. And so, you know, we talked a little bit before we started about it kind of comes down to language. And so, yeah, I think you're right on that. And I want to dive into the language piece, but what you just said was true. Like your clients, if you're an agent listening to this right now, uh, your clients are getting hit up every day, mm-hmm. every hour on the hour, they're getting some progressive Limu emu, they're getting a caveman or they're getting, I know caveman dates me, but <laughs> they're going to get some sort of um, cool NBA player from the State Farm commercials. They're going to get something thrown at them and they're all going to say something to the effect of either speed or price. Um, Absolutely. And that's one of the things we have to fight against as independent is because those agents uh, are trying to deal with clients that want it now. Mm-hmm. They want it fast. They want it cheap. And there's a huge difference in cheap and quality. And yep. I think, yeah, I tell my, my agents that I consult all the time, yeah, you can give them a quote in 15 minutes or less and save them 15% or whatever the damn thing is. But is it going to be right? Are you giving them minimum limit, limits? Are right. you giving them high deductibles and, you know, uh, lower everything else? It, no, I mean. Yeah. Everybody's happy on the front end. It's It's what happens on the back end when there's a claim or there's a, you know, there's a coverage that you didn't give them or that you didn't talk to them about or, you know, they didn't fully understand it. Right. You know, when I worked in the agency world, when I was an agent, I, like I said, just being able to explain insurance to people was, yeah. you know, I had clients for life because they said, hey, you're the first person that ever really explained to me how this works. Yeah. And there's so many... People and I and I consult with agencies every day about this. In fact, I just flew in from Orlando talking to some clients about this, and they said, "We as an agency, we like to lead with education." And so when I pushed them on that, I was like, "What does that mean?" Like, yeah, when I'm you know talking to my clients, and I'll, you know, we talked about this beforehand. You know, here's your quote for your BOP. Yeah, we've got this, and your that is here, and here's your telematics, and here's your this, and here's your that, right. and you know. At the end of the day, you and I talked about it. Uh, your client's going to look at you with this deer in a headlight. Look like, what did you just say? Going back to your language thing. So uh, tell me your thoughts a little bit more on that and what you're thinking could help agents a little bit more in that as far as that goes. Well, sure. I mean, insurance, as everyone knows, is is its own language. We, we acronym everything. Everything. Everything has an acronym. Um, well, even the courses you teach, CPIA, CIC, right. it, it all has an acronym. Uh, I make a joke often that I'm just going to create the acronym book, yeah. be, be a bestseller, um, because we acronym everything, and and we're so used to it. Yeah. We get, I mean, if you're in insurance for more than two weeks, all of a sudden you've acquired a new language. Right. And it's really hard when your daily working environment around it, everybody understands what you're saying. Yeah. But your client comes in and it's like your client being from a country that maybe doesn't speak English. And all of a sudden you're trying to explain what everyone else around you understands. And so I think it's really important that you take the time and it doesn't have to take a lot of time. Yeah. And don't over explain. Sure, that happens. Because that happens and people, you know, people, we lead with education. Well, okay, if you give me all the words, I may not understand all the words. Uh, I think it's more, I'm a really big believer in telling stories and being a storyteller. And so explaining to someone, hey, this is what we put on your policy and this is how it would work. You know, what's, let's talk about what's really important to you. You know, my favorite sales question has always been, what keeps you up at night? It's a great question. What keeps you up at night? What are you worried about at night? Because you're going to be able to determine a lot of things with that question. Yeah, of, what keeps you up? Why are they shopping? Are they shopping for price? I, I'm so worried about my price going up because it's that. Or I'm worried about my employees on the job that get hurt, that could have this. Okay, well, then you need to focus on work comp or... Yeah, it, right now, um, you know, the top of mind for everybody is inflation and inflation costs and, you know, what's happening on a broader global basis, but it, that isn't affecting everyone's pocketbook, uh, you, me, and all your listeners, 
and so even from an insurance perspective, you know, do we have the right ITV? Do we have the right replacement cost on things? Do we even know? You know, I would have never thought a sheet of plywood would have been a hundred dollars. Um, but we're seeing that. And yeah. so accounts are maybe underinsured. And how do we find the balance in that? And how do we talk to people and how do we tell those stories? And so, you know, I think you have to ask the questions. They don't have to be a lot. But one, you know, understand what it is they're really concerned about and then understand how you can trade those concerns and maybe solve them with insurance, but also don't be afraid to say, yeah, I, I worry about that too, but you know, we don't have an insurance product for that. Sure. You know, I can remember when the, when the boys started driving, if you'd asked me what kept me up at night, it was, hey, I got a 16 year old that's driving, you know, that'll scare anybody. Oh yeah. Um, and so maybe I need to revisit my insurance or maybe I need higher limits. And, you know, and I, I firmly believe that insurance agents make horrible clients because we tend to, you know, and I don't write my own insurance. I let someone else handle that for right. me because of it. But going back to what you talk about with the language piece, if you're trying to educate your clients on that, I think you made a good point in all those acronyms and trying to slow down. Oh, yeah. Because I don't ask my kids for lunch, do you want a PB&J with an H2O? Right. We don't do And so, and, you know, and my kids look at me funny. And so, but I think same thing goes with our clients. When mm -hmm. you're trying to tell them that, you know, and I don't think most people would say, here's your HO3 with a, you know, whatever. I don't think they do that, but some people might. I, you know, I, I've been surprised before of, again, you're, you're going to go deliver, you know, maybe a producer's out to deliver a policy and, you know, maybe your agency structure is one where it's the producer and maybe even the account manager and, you know, you, or your whole team is kind of showing up to, hey, you know, thanks for the business and here, meet everybody, see their faces, that sort of stuff. But even then, they're still not explaining the coverage. Mm -hmm. They're still not telling the story. They're delivering the policy. They're thanking people for, you know, for working with them. But did you really explain to them what they have? And was there something you missed between the time you took the order and the time you delivered the order? You know, every agent, I think, who's been in business for any length of time has probably had a, you know, a claim where you, you bound it at, you know, 4.30 on a Friday afternoon and on Sunday it burned to the ground. Right. Kind of thing. And then you're like, oh. you know, I remember the first time that happened and it was, okay, did we, one, did we do it right? And we did, but did our client understand what they had, what they didn't have? Sure. And I, I think even... Back to your question of what keeps you up at night. When I talk to account managers, you brought up account managers. What what keeps you up at night? One of the biggest things they say is, "Did I put the right coverage on?" Oh yeah. Did I have the right coverage? Because of those situations, like, oh crap, I bound this. If they have a claim, do I have mm -hmm. the right coverage on? Um, did I sell them the right policy? Right. And if you come to you know like an ENO class, and I've taught plenty of ENO classes, you know and and Eno is supposed to be your partner, but at the same time you come to an Eno class, and I know everybody leaves thinking, "Hey, you know, flipping burgers might have been a better career choice, right?" Um, because we're going to tell you all the ways you could get yourself in trouble. And honestly, I think most insurance agents have a heart for people, right? They they want to help people. I don't think you go in this industry without that kind of servant's heart in a way, um, and they want to do the right thing and they want to put on the right coverages and all that. I just think we get lost sometimes in our own lingo. Yeah. And so again, you know, Hey, Heath, here's your, you know, BOP with your DNO and your EPLI exclusion. You got UM, UIM. Got any questions? Right. And I'm going to look at someone like an idiot. I'm saying, no, I got it. I no, I got no problem. Right. And then again, like we talked about before, like when you go to the doctor and they tell you, you got this, most people go to WebMD or they go to Google as soon as they get out of there. That's probably what your customers are doing. Absolutely. But if they're Googling what you've just told them, guess what's popping up, which is one of your competitors right. most likely. Oh, yeah. um, you know, anything that you tend to Google about insurance tends to pop up either an agency of some sort or an attorney. It's like one of the two, kind of depending on how your, you know, search words go and that sort of thing. But 
And so I think that's that's the danger, right? Is if we don't explain it, yep. someone else will. Well, I think the other danger in that too, and you've probably seen this as I have, working with agencies as long as we have, you get a new employee that starts. Let's say they go in the account manager role. They're in a meeting, a training or a meeting. They hear all these, you know, acronyms. They hear all this stuff. They don't know what the hell you're talking about. Nope. They don't want to ask because they don't want to sound like an idiot. Right. So they're hearing all this and there's so many, and different agencies use different acronyms and different states use different coverages. Mm -hmm. And so then they come out and they're like, what's going on? So I think we're doing a disservice to new hires by not, oh, absolutely. By not explaining that to them or not sending them through one of Brandy's courses to learn. <laughs> well, but and a you know, it creates a problem too. If you think about the largest struggle that I would say right now in the in the industry yeah. is bringing in young people, right? And we've tried, hey, insurance is fun or hey, insurance is sexy or, you know, create whatever kind of tagline yeah. you want. Um, but we don't tend to recruit really well in younger people. And part of that is, I think, because of that whole language barrier. I think you're exactly right. And you I know, it's just not those new hires come in and... Most agencies are so busy that they don't have anyone dedicated. Mm -hmm. You know, even when I started and, you know, quite a while ago, uh, it was, hey, here's your desk, sink or swim. And that's what a lot of it. Figure yeah. it out. But there's not enough time sure. anymore for you to really mess it up and fix it. Exactly. If you mess it up now... Mm -hmm. You know, the consequences can be huge. Um, and so I, I do think we do a disservice. I don't think we we properly train anybody coming into the field. I know you as well as I, you know, we talk about this. The the number one question I always get is, hey, do you know anybody looking? Oh, yeah, all the time. And, you know, and and if you listen to people that maybe have been successful, a lot of times they're recruiting outside of insurance, you know, they're going to find, hey, you know, a good salesperson is kind of a good salesperson, period. But so they're bringing people in that really have no frame of reference for insurance. Sure. And again, if you don't have the right yeah. training in place, the right stories in place, the right language in place when they start, they don't stay. No. And you know, that's a huge problem I think that we have. And you probably can't say it out loud, but I can call it what it is. It's pale, male, and stale. And we see that all the time. And we, you know, you and I have both spoken to the local college here. Uh, and there's other you listen that have gone to those colleges and talked to students, try to get them in. But a lot of times, and you and I have been in those together, we say, raise your hand if you know what an underwriter is. And none of them do. Right. You know, what's a producer do? What does this do? What does that do? And none of them know. Because they've been taught, they've been taught the, pre-licensed, so to speak, lingo, right. and what the industry does, but they don't understand what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And how it all intersects. And, and again, the beautiful thing that you and I both know, and people listening to this show, the thing we have to do a better job at in explaining insurance to people is, it's the fabric of America, what we do. You can't open a business without insurance. Right. You can't drive a car. You can't buy a, a house. You can't do anything without insurance. Sure. And... Why people, like, I think it's the greatest industry on earth because of that. And obviously you've been in it long enough. You probably feel the same way. And so, yeah, it may not be sexy, but it's very like needed. It's, yeah. It's vital to what we it, do every day. It's absolutely vital. And, you know, I think even if you can convey that, it's just a matter of, you know, it's also the structures that are around when you get someone say maybe, you know, 18, 19, 20, and you, you want to kind of bring them into the industry, even if they're willing to come. And then they, they kind of land in this very stale office environment uh, without a lot of insure tech, right? without a lot of what they're used to. And then they're told, hey, you've got to put your phone away and you can't check Facebook and you can't, you know, we need you to do this when, hey, for the last 20 years, guess where they've lived, yep. you know, which is on this, this screen. And that's how they're used to interacting with the world. And you suddenly take that all away from them and they're going, yeah, I'm out. Yep. I, you know, I want to be somewhere where I can, you know, eat my lunch and watch Netflix at the same time. I mean, that's what I'm used to kind of thing. So I think we hinder 
our availability in bringing those young people in because we don't create an environment that speaks to them. 100%. So again, going back to some of that, and one of the things I want to bring up uh, that I think is interesting to me, because there's uh, the insurance industry as a whole is my favorite thing in the world. And there's so many different facets of that, whether it's benefits, PNC, and again, I'm using acronyms, but benefits, property and casualty. And then within that, you've got commercial versus, and again, commercial business, however you want to call it, versus personal lines versus whatever. But then on top of that, you've got captive versus independent. Sure. And you, you know, you mentioned earlier, you work for Nationwide, which most people know it went through a major shift. You bet. And they all changed over. I forgot, what was it, 2019, maybe? Whenever they had to have that drop dead right. date to go independent. And you probably had a lot of those producers like, okay, what do I do now? I'm independent now. Right. Um, was that a learning curve for them? And what are some of the things you can, you don't talk about any specific nationwide agents, but anything in, in, that you talk to people about, like what's the differences there, how they can transition easier? And you know, people... Sure. I think that overwhelmingly, a lot of it was really the back end stuff. It wasn't the front end, you know, production and being a producer and right. understanding coverage and selling and wasn't so much that. Um, it, it was a lot of management system and errors and emissions and different pieces of insure tech and raters and multiple carriers and contracts and what are aggregators and what are MGAs and what are this? And, you know, it was this whole, again, language, this whole stack of stuff that suddenly kind of dropped in their lap and a lot of them were left scrambling to try to figure out what do those words mean? Right. Because, you know, for most captive agents, you know, they have probably had some awesome sales training. Yeah. A lot of them are fantastic producers, um, but they hadn't had kind of that independent agency experience of hey, there's 10 different agency management systems. Which one's any good? Right. Or which piece of insure tech do I need? Or, yeah. you know, there's five different commercial on raters. Which one do I want to do? You know, which one do I want to pay for? And, you know, the paying for it piece was the other thing I think that was so shocking for a lot of people was, hey, this isn't free. Right. When you're a captain <laughs> or an exclusive agent, all that's paid for for yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, uh, everything's kind of provided. So, uh, you know, there were a lot of people that chose to, and there's still a whole lot of it going on. I mean, you know, m and is a huge thing. Yep. And again, acronyms, right? Mergers and acquisitions yep. is a huge thing uh, that's still happening for a lot of those people. And some of them have, you know, had really set themselves up almost like an independent a long time ago. So it was a pretty seamless transition. Others really struggled. And I think that had a lot to do with if your focus within your agency was a little more personalized focused or were you more commercial focused? Right. And so most of the more commercial focused had already kind of set up a lot of that back end sort of thing because you know, commercial insurance yeah. is a little bit more complex. It's a little bit deeper. You kind of need more of that than maybe you needed on the personal one. So. Sure. We're at a mid-row ad, a mid-row ad, and I love it. Uh, I want to talk to you about my friends over at CoverDesk. Uh, they are the premier solution for virtual assistants, for hiring, uh, for uh, taking a load off of your plate on those administrative tasks. Uh, they can help you with quoting. Uh, virtual assistants, they come in, they become a part of your team, and uh, they can help with so many things. I, I work with virtual assistants myself every single day, and they are just uh, the best. Uh, they know what they're talking about. They know our industry. Uh, they're very professional. And having a virtual assistant as a part of your team is a game changer. And having a, a virtual assistant from CoverDesk is even more of a game changer because Andy Priestman and the team over at CoverDesk do a phenomenal job of working with them with training uh, these phenomenal individuals to help you to make your agency that much better and help you to focus on what you do best. Go to CoverDesk.com and check it out. Uh, one of my other partners that I love working with is 
agency performance partners, Kelly Donahue Piro and her team, I've seen firsthand uh, do a phenomenal job and they care deeply about their, uh, their agents that they work with, with the carriers that they work with. And uh, I really think that you should just check it out. They are uh, right. They just released a brand new course called Time Management. It's the third iteration of it. And it's to help you and your team uh, to solve the problems of I'm too busy. And we want to help you go from busy to productive. And uh, if your team is, is too busy to integrate the newest software, they're too busy to answer the phone, they're too busy to get to those tasks, they're too busy to add an endorsement, and uh, they've got so much going on, this course is something that's phenomenal. It goes through everything from email management to time blocking to quoting over the phone, anything to help your agency be that much more efficient. Go to agencyperformancepartners.com and check out the latest course, Time Management 3.0. Now let's get back to the show. And there's a lot of agents, and I get calls and emails about this every day as uh, the host of the show about, hey, I'm leaving captive or exclusive agency here, whether it's State Farm, whoever. Farmers, whoever it might be, and I'm going to go independent. What's some advice that you would give me? And one of the biggest things you just touched on a little bit uh, outside of language is that shiny object syndrome of mm -hmm. you could go to a convention, a conference. You and I just came back from one where there's 75 booths of technology. You feel like you have to have all of it. And people go mm -hmm. and they buy it all. And it's impossible to in integrate it all into your agency. And then they're just like, oh, crap, I bought all this stuff. I don't know what to do with it. And so that's the piece of advice that I would give people. Be beware of that. Find what works for your agency. But I ask you outside of that, and maybe it goes back to language, what's some of the advice you could give to someone going from captive to independent to be the most successful they could be? Yeah, I I, I usually say don't uh, don't try to outkick your coverage. Okay. <laughs> um, people that are transitioning to the independent world, and I've seen this, you know, this wasn't my first radio of, of that process. I, I've been doing that for a long time is the idea that you have to get all the carriers, <laughs> right? You know, I need all the carriers or I need all the brokers. And, and a lot of times you may have an existing book. I mean, you may have a reason yeah. and an initial play that gets you a lot of those conversations. And then you realize that you have to feed them all. Yeah. And to me, um, it, it's almost like children. <laughs> uh, you can have a lot of kids, but can you afford to feed them all? You may love children. I love insurance. <laughs> right. You know, but that doesn't mean you need every plaque on the wall. Um, and so to me, newly minted agencies have some difficulty with that. And I see that even in existing agencies. When you, when you really walk into an agency and you start having that kind of hard conversation about what's your, you know, ROI, right? And our another favorite acronym, right? Your return on investment. And you realize that, hey, they have a hundred thousand dollars, maybe a business, but it's sitting in five different places. Right. So they're not making any money. They're not making any profit share on it, but they went and got this one market for this one account. Right. And I'm like, hey, how about we let that one account go? And that's really hard for agents to do. Yep. But I'm like, is it really making you any money? Right. And um, I think, you know, as we move forward in our industry, there's going to be more and more conversations around, you know, what is returning money right. for an agency? Who do you want to do business with? Who's filling a need? And not only who's filling a need, but who's making you money? And so, you know, I've seen... <laughs> A great, for instance, where, let's just tell you this really quick story. Remember, I like stories. I love it. Of, you know, an agency that that had let's, carrier A and carrier B. And carrier A was paying them a little less commission than carrier B. Sure. Every agency gets excited. Oh, it's commission, 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 right? Right. And so carrier B was paying them, you know, let's just say two points more commission. Sounds great. Until you actually get in and do the math. And when they got in and did the math, they realized that the servicing costs on carrier B was ending up costing them more 
than what Carrier A was offering them in commission without those servicing costs. So yeah, it may be great that you're making 17% commission, but if it's costing you what amounts to five points commission just to manage that book, are you really making any money? It's a good point. And, you know, I think agencies are really, as we all are, paying more attention to their pocketbooks and what is their rate of return, if you will, with the carriers they do business with. But you don't need all the plaques on the wall is my piece yeah. of advice. And, and I think you're, that's not only a, 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 an issue or a problem that affects new agencies. You and I have both shared, you know, agencies that we worked with when I was in my EMC days. So we have every carrier in the wall. And again, I, I even told them when I was at EMC, I'm not going to give you an appointment because I'm not going to compete with all 97 plaques on your wall. I can't. Right. There's no way. So people listening to this show right now, uh, whether you've been in business 20 years or three, you have that same thing in your mind. You have to, I have to have every market. I have to, you know, I have mm -hmm. to be able to compete. If I don't, my, you know, competitors go into, if I don't ride it with this, if I don't have nationwide and my, my neighbor down the road does, I'm screwed. I, I would challenge you on that. And I would say, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. I tell people as a consultant, you probably need five horses that you really run with. You know, you could have more plaques than on the wall, obviously, but I would challenge you to say in commercial, for example, maybe you have your five best carriers. You know their appetites inside and out. You know your underwriters well. You have a relationship with the boss man, so to speak, or boss woman, whoever that may be. You have that relationship with them. I don't think you need more than that to go after your core business. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, five, maybe six on the outside. Um, you know, a couple of really good, strong brokers that you enjoy working with. Sure. Um, but absolutely, if, you know, if you're going outside of that, you have to ask yourself why. And again, what, you know, when I work with agencies and we do kind of that deep analysis of their agency, very oftentimes, you know, they've got four brokers that they have one account each with. Right. You know, and the broker doesn't care. Sure. But from an agency perspective, how much money is it costing you, you know, to have those four accounts? Right. And, you know, salespeople, we talk about salespeople all the time, you and I especially, um, you know, hate to lose. Oh, yeah. It, it's like a visceral pain. We hate to lose. And so very often it becomes that. It's the, well, I'm going to win this account, even if I have to go out and get this company, because that's the only company on the planet that writes this kind of account uh, without, you know, it, it kind of becomes the force for the trees problem. You can't see that writing that account is really not to your benefit. Sure. You know, and very often it's in your best interest to let that account go. Yeah, that brings up a good point in my mind, uh, in my ADHD mind of some of the conversations I have on a national level when I go to certain national conferences is this idea of niches and the riches are in the niches or however you want to call it. Um, all those buzzwords and those mm -hmm. things like that. But one of the conversations that came out I thought was interesting. Language, <laughs> you're right. One of the things that came out, I want to hear your, your thoughts on this uh, and I have to watch our time because you and I will go for three hours and we may have to make this part one, two and three. But either way, I finally got you in my office, uh, so we're going to talk. Um, so the conversation came up, and you and I have had these conversations on a different level. So when you have a foot problem, which, you know, we've talked about, you go see a podi podiatrist. A podiatrist. You have a heart problem. You don't go see your general physician. You end up going to see a heart doctor. You know, if you've got cancer, you go to an oncologist, I believe. So the, the, the idea came up not too long ago at a, at a conference I was at in Colorado, could insurance end up being like that? If down the road, let's say you, you know, you wanted to, have, you know, you're a contractor and you need work comp for this. Do you go to your generalist insurance agent or do you go to one that you know does that? And there's agencies set up just to do contractors or there's agencies set up that only write garage liability or only write agri or farm or whatever it might be. So where we niche out similar to what doctors do. That's the conversation that comes in. It's a fascinating conversation to me because on one hand, I'm like, that makes sense. Because if I have a foot problem, I'm not going to go to my oncologist and talk to him about my foot problem, right? Sure. So if I'm a farmer, why would I want to go to an agency that writes only general contractors for that matter? Or 
You know what I'm talking about? Does that make I sense think, to you? I, I want to hear your so, thoughts on this because okay. obviously you're going to push me on this. So well, like, I'm going to push you just a little bit because I'm going, to, I'm going to take your medical analogy and tell you that absolutely, if you have a heart problem, you want to see a cardiologist. However, in today's cardiologist, current, I said heart doctor, I'm an <laughs> idiot. All right. Uh, however, in today's current medical environment, in order to be able to see a cardiologist, guess where you have to go first? Your general physician. Your general physician. Okay. And so you have to go to your general physician before you can see the podiatrist or the oncologist or the sure. cardiologist or whatever. Right. So you start there. Um, there are a lot of agencies that are, yes, absolutely, you know, rich. I've heard riches are in the niches just as much as you have. And we talk a lot about niche marketing. And I think every even general agency has niches. Sure. You know, you, you get good at something. Sure. You know, it's hard to be as generalist as everyone thinks they are. Uh-huh. Everyone has niches, maybe even if you don't realize it because you haven't done that deep dive in your book. Right. But do I think that it's going to go completely to, hey, I'm a contractor and I'm going to go do business with Agency X because that's all they do? Right. Well, it depends on where Agency X is. Sure. Because every statistical study still shows that people want pretty much an agent that's local. Local. Sure. They want their local guy. Um, it's not quite what it used to be, where it was, I want the local guy that I see all the time. Sure. You know, you still have to have all the touches and all that sort of stuff. But, I, you know, I don't know that we're quite to that point yet. Will we get there? Very possibly. So... And I will use several of my prior guests. So I'm not showing favoritism, but I am going to talk about my prior guests in this, uh, this scenario. So let's say heat sharing insurance has opened up. Someone comes to me and says, you know, I'm, I'm, I work at a church. I'm a pastor of a local church and I need to get insurance. Okay. Knowing me, I don't have Brotherhood Mutual. I don't have Church Mutual. I don't have some of those. Right. But one of my really good friends, number four guest on my show, Kurt Hetherington, at James Green Associates is the, all they do. It's all they do. Right. And they're the only, what I understand, the only agent in the state that has Brotherhood Mutual, and which is supposed to be the top market for churches. Again, I'm throwing a shout out to one of my prior guests. I would send them there and say that may not be a good market for me, but I would send you there. So again, as a generalist, I'm saying no, but at the same time, at least sending my clients somewhere else. Um, but again, push back, right? I, I love you, it. This you and I can do. push all day long. Yeah. Uh, is I don't believe that really any agency is truly a generalist. So, you know, I think, yes, an agency can absolutely build an outstanding reputation for a target class yeah. and be known for that and get lots of referrals from other agents. One of the agencies I worked at, we did absolutely no life and health. Yeah. None. It was no one in the agency's wheelhouse. Nobody wanted to do it. Sure. We didn't want to hire a producer for it. We had a very nice handshake agreement, you know, with an agency down the road who lived for that stuff. And so we sent Life and Health their way. They sent PNC back our way. Bingo. Very yeah. mutually beneficial. Sure. So I, again, just a little friendly debate I wanted to have there because I, I do find it interesting. I think our our world, our ecosystem is changing so often. There's another yeah. buzzword ecosystem there that we're, we're changing on some of those things and I just don't, I don't know. I want to hear your thoughts on that because I do think it's interesting to think about could we end up going that route of specialists? Sure. And I think it's going to be, and this is nothing more than, and I don't want this to seem doom and gloom, but I, I do think it's going to be harder um, going forward for smaller, you know, more mom and pop kind of driven agencies to be able to survive because of all that specialist pressure. Sure. You know, and I think in a lot of ways, that's the agencies that really need to put some thought, time, energy, effort, and dollars into their insure tech piece. Exactly. You know, because if yeah. not, you know, they'll just become someone else who was acquired. Right. <laughs> you know, when you look at all the, you know, again, merger and acquisition activity that's happening in our business right now. There's a lot of it. Yeah, you're exactly right. 
So I think there's a lot of that there. And I do, you know, uh, look down and see we've been talking about. There's so many other things I want to talk to you about. But, you know, I do think it goes back to what you're talking about minute with the, uh, you know, several things you talked about. But going back to the right markets you have. And I, and I want to end that piece by saying, I think if you do go that route of being a generalist, a specialist, whatever you want to call it, I think you should be intentional on the carriers you bring in. Oh, absolutely. If you want to have, you know, the greatest book of whatever it might be, and you go to a carrier that doesn't even write that, <laughs> and that's a problem. That's another thing that I tell people a lot. Have the conversation for, for example, um, and I'll use, I won't use Nationwide, but I'll use you know, Carrier X um, may have told you one day or one year we want to write every garage piece of business there is. And the next year, they don't. <laughs> and the next year, they had a bunch of losses that right. past year, and they say, we're out on that. Sure. Now, historically, they've had a good run at that. That makes sense. Like, Brotherhood Mutual, I don't think they're ever going to get out of that. Right. They're going to be churches for life, I'm sure, and they've underwritten it for that and had actuarial sure. tables and all that. Um, but I do think you have to be intentional in the carriers you bring in. And you probably get that a lot of people call you and say, I want a nationwide contract. I write every hotel in the state. You might be like, wait a minute, maybe we're not the best market for you. Right. Or maybe you are, who knows? Yeah, I, you know, I think from just, you know, to slip my carrier hat on for a minute, it's certainly, you know, contracts are more about partnerships. And, you know, we want to be in the right agencies, writing the right mix of business. And so it's, okay, yes, I may be hot on X, you know, product. Um, and that's why you're initially calling me. But if you've never written that product, yeah, you know, then great to meet you. Happy to help if I can help somewhere else, but you know, maybe I, I can't give you a contract. Um, and I think carriers are getting, you know, carriers tend to flip-flop between two schools of thought. One is either, hey, we need to be very intentional with our agency plant. Sure. Or, hey, we're going to go out and appoint everybody that can breathe and see who can write some business. Sure. I mean, it's it's typically one or the other. Um, it, most carriers don't land anywhere in the middle of that. And so I think you you have to ask your carrier partners the right questions. And so, again, that's a good, a good thing you brought up because I want to push you or ask you about that, too. So let's say... Go back to the example you brought up, and there's agents listening right now, because I get the emails of, I want to get a Cincinnati contract, or I want Nationwide, or I want sure. EMC, or I want this contract, whatever the, the carrier might be, regional carrier, national player, whoever. If that agent came to you, put keep your carrier hat on a minute, and I'll put mine on as well uh, from my EMC days. Let's say that person comes to you, and, and they have a plan. Let's sure. say they've written out a, a plan and said, Love a written plan. Right. I want to write this class that you write or you're sure. strong in, or I want to be a generalist. Here's my plan to get to 300,000 in the first year. Does that help their case? Oh, absolutely. Every time. It, it is almost a requirement. You know, there's going to be a couple of requirements that I would say if you are, if you are a newer agency, yeah. we talked about that, right? If you're a newer agency, sure, it's going to be really hard to get a national carrier contract. Just until you have, you know, and, and it's, it's almost painful in a way because you're like, well, how can I grow if you won't give me what I need to grow? You know, and from the carrier perspective, it was, we'll grow first and then call us. Right. You know, so it, it's kind of chicken and egg with that. But, you know, if you're a new agency, it's really hard to get that national contract. If you have a written plan I would probably kiss you on the mouth for it. I mean, it rarely happens. Right. You know, we, every carrier sends out some paperwork and we ask you to fill out the paperwork. Some people do a good job with that. Some people don't. Um, you know, again, depends on, did it go to the salesperson or did it go to, right. you know, the office person who's more that way. But it is difficult, I think, to, to just get contracts and get carriers. And you know, just as much as an agency is looking at their return on investment, so is a carrier. Sure. And carriers get banged on a lot and beat up on because, you know, they're the bad guy or they're the this sure. or the that. And again, playing both sides of that, because I've been on the agency side, I've been on the carrier side. Me too. 
I, exactly. I don't feel like it's fair on either side of that you yeah. know, for carriers to bang on agents because they're this or that or the other way around. But I do feel like uh, if a, an agency that's listening right now wants a certain carrier, I think listening to what Brandy just said there of having that plan, having yes. something written out, having idea and, and give them those timelines. Okay. By, mm -hmm. by one year, here's where I think I can be. And here's my right. plan to get there. Or be willing to, to have some patience. Um, you know, we talked about, we were at convention last week and, you know, I talked to an agency that I had turned down for a contract. Yeah. Um, kind of because of that, you just haven't been around long enough. And, you know, now they're a little more established and we, we reconnected because I tried really hard not to leave a poor taste in their mouth. And they tried really hard not to leave a poor taste in my mouth. Yeah. And it was just a mutual understanding of what I have to offer. You couldn't really take advantage of yet, you know? And so now let's reconnect and see if there's possibility there. Sure. And, you know, the great thing about that conversation was, hey, great conversation. Still don't think from the agency's perspective, still don't think I'm quite where you need me to be. Right. And I'm like, that is awesome. I'm not going to lose your number. You don't lose mine. And let's reconnect in six months. So again, the, you know, persistence does pay. It for does. A reason. You're telling, you're promising one thing. They're promising another. Sure. You're going to tell the producer as a carrier rep, we're going to write this, 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 and this, and this. But we just talked about a minute ago. You may be hot on something now. A year from now, you may not be. Right. The producers come to the table with, we're going to write, Oh, you need a half a million in one year? No big deal. No producer is going to be able to put a half a million with one carrier in one year. It's not normally going to happen. So I think both sides are lying. Sure. But it's a matter of having that accountability of saying, here's what's going to happen. Here's my written plan. Right. And you saying, here's what we're going to do. And if we don't write this appetite anymore, we're going to give you a little bit more time. Going back to that. Yeah. And, and I think you have to, you know, it's, it's the language. It's the words. Read yeah. the words. Um, because when you sign the contract, the contract usually will lay out all of those things. I'm always amazed at the number of people that don't read a contract before they sign it. Sure. In all facets of life, because people fascinate me. Um, and, but it's the same way with the insurance contract of, you know, I'm going to come in and I'm going to say, hey, you have to write, you know, 300,000 first year with me. And you're going to come to me and go, man, I'm, I'm, I'm so good. I'm going to write five. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. And then we get to the end of the year and you've written 75 grand. Right. You know, and so then we have a whole other conversation. Right. And it, you know, every salesperson, both on the company side, the agency side are all salespeople. I would say it's like a first date. Everyone wants to make the best first sure. impression. There you go. So I'm going to bring the best of what I have. Yeah. And you're going to show up with the best of what you have. Yep. But like any dating scenario, a year in. Yeah. Hey, you know, by now, I mean, I, you know, it, the, the rose colored glasses are a little faded. And the conversation like we have between our spouses and I, you know, and you, we talk about the sock on the floor. You know, there's mm -hmm. always that scenario too. Like, I didn't realize that you were that messy or I didn't know you were that mm -hmm. way. Or to use the old bar reference at 2 a.m., the lights come on, you're like, oh crap. Right. Uh, who I've been talking to this whole time. There's always that light shed on at the end of the day. But I do feel like there's got to be some accountability there. I feel like yes. there's got to be some open and honesty there. And again, going back to that word that's thrown out a lot of partnership between both sides. Agents yeah. want a partnership with the carrier, carriers want it with the agent. You know, I, I think the problem, and again, I, you know, I feel like we've talked all day and, and I maybe hammered it more than I should, but language matters and words matter and 100%. what you say matters. And partnership to me is one of those words that we throw out there over and over and over and over. Kind of like you and I's discussion last week about culture. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's corporate buzzwords. You know, let's let's play corporate buzzword bingo. But when we talk about partnership, I, I really think it's more can we clarify that? You know, when I say, hey, we want, you know, I want to be a partner with you, what does that really mean? And what does that really look like? And what is your expectations of me? Yeah. 
And what is my expectations of you? And if that is very clear on the front end, then it solves for some problems that come up on the back end. Sure. Um, you know, if you set, and it's, it's the same thing with an agency and their clients, you know, if you set an expectation that, you know, I'm, I'm going to return their call within four hours. Is that a realistic expectation? Sounds good. Sure. Man, it sounds good. But is it realistic? Can you actually achieve that? Right. Or are you just going to end up saying something and then disappointing people when you can't ever deliver? Sure. You know, I, I can remember, because goodness, you know, I'm, I'm a voracious reader. And, you know, I've always liked the idea of, of under promise and over deliver. Because I think we really set ourselves up to fail a lot of times with that. And it's with our words. It's, oh, you know, let's, let's create this great partnership. Well, what does that really mean? And what does that really look like? Because I, I can't do all things. Right. You know, I'm, I'm not a market for X. Right. You know, so don't come with, I mean, if you, if, if 90% of your book is writing X, I'm not your partner. 100%. I, I don't bring anything to the table that you really need other than you want my plaque on your wall. Right. You want to be able to put it on the website. Right. And go ahead. So, I, I mean, I just think we need to be much more intentional in our language with each other. Of, I, I really try to tell agents, this is what you can expect from me, but this is also what I expect from you. Sure. And every person I know that has a role like mine does it a little bit differently. Uh, we have lots of internal conversations about things that some of my counterparts do that I just will not do. Yeah. I just, I just won't. It's, I said, but my agents don't expect me to do that because so, I set that expectation on the front end. So I'm going to ask you what I know is a Captain Obvious question, but I want the audience to hear this for a second as we wrap this part up. Dispel, I should say, maybe I wouldn't say dispel the myth, but the, I guess there's a myth out there that carriers don't care about the producers. Carriers don't care about agents or, you know, they're just out for themselves or they just want to make sure they do that and the other. I've worked on the carrier side and you've worked, you know, obviously you're still there in a, in a management role. That is completely, we do have those inside conversations. Absolutely. You, you tell me about a guy in Alabama that you talk to in regular, you are in different states, you compare stories. How can you help right. your producers? How can you help your producers? Right. It does happen. And people look at it. And again, flip side of that, carriers think, oh, the agents don't care. They're just putting business wherever just to get it done. But we all know that's not true. So again, just as we wrap this part of the conversation up, uh, when people think, carriers are the bad guy. They don't care about their producers. They don't care about agents. All they care about is the low loss ratio and high return on investment. That's not entirely true. That is not entirely true. I, I think, again, whatever level of this industry you work in, I, I think you, a little bit of you has to have a servant's heart, right? Or, or right. this, or this just isn't an industry that will appeal to you in any way. Sure. Whether you're an agent or whether you're on the company side. I think it's a matter of if there weren't, you know, it's such a symbiotic relationship. If there weren't carriers, there wouldn't be agents. But if there weren't agents, there wouldn't be carriers. And we have all seen a multitude of people try to make inroads direct to consumer and realize that it doesn't really work. They all come back to us and they all come back to us because... When they have a claim, when they have a problem, when there's an issue, I think everybody wants the ability to reach out to someone and say, here's what's happening. Can you help? And most people really want to help. Agreed. You know, I, I tell agents all the time, you know, how can I help? What can I do? And then I, conversely, though, I need you to understand that I don't right? I'm not the CEO of my company. Um, and there are decisions that are made that are way above my pay grade, right? That 
I, I may not agree with either. Sure. But let me tell you why that decision was made. Or can I help tell you the story of why it looks this way? And I understand you're frustrated. Yeah. You know, and I just don't think you can have that relationship without both people caring about the other. Sure. And, and I think that, you know, you're, you're exactly right on that. People think that um, they could do without the other and they can't. And they all, like you said, they all end up coming back to us. Uh, again, we could talk forever and I'm going to have to have you come back again, but I am going to have to shut this thing down before I wet my pants. That'd yep. be embarrassing right here. But thank you so much for coming and hanging out. I finally got you on here in the studio. We could visit for a little bit. And again, we'll probably shut this thing down while I'm still talk for a while. But thank you again so much for coming to the show today. Yep, love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for checking out the show today. Uh, what a great episode. Uh, I hope that the content we brought you made you a better insurance professional. I am going to end up breaking this episode down into two segments, maybe even a bonus segment, because I had to cut off some of the conversation and um, edit some of it out to come into another episode because it just, she and I talked for a, a long time about a lot of cool things. So uh, be on the lookout for uh, part two of this episode. Uh, if you enjoyed it, if you have any further questions, anything like that, uh, I would love to, to hear some of those. So would Brandy. Uh, so reach out to me, Heath, at insurancetownpodcast.com. Guys, thank you so much for checking out the show. And I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.